Well, welcome to the Thematic Podcast. This is a new series called Conversations in Contrast, and my name is Craig. And today I have one of my good friends, Matt Harder, with me. Come on. And uh, this happens to be the first episode that we're recording. So let me just explain Conversations in Contrast, what this comes from. Uh, we're, we're here today to talk about two primary things. One, pain, <laughs> and two, victory. Uh, one is something that you've been through that's hard, difficult, painful, dark, dark night of the soul. And two is like, what's something healthy that you're doing? And so the reason for this is because there's so many good things to social media and always some intentionally or unintentionally bad things. And one of those bad things is that we're teaching a generation you know, to look at other people's lives and the filters and think mm. that their life is somehow not as good as everybody else. And yeah. so everybody's putting their best foot forward, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but we're, sh we're sort of showing everybody else that, oh, my life is perfect and yours mm -hmm. isn't because everybody knows their own life and their own pain and their own struggle. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to hashtag fight the filters a little bit. I love that. And pull back the curtain on people's pain because what I found is that successful people, leaders, influential people are typically not that way because their life is perfect or because they haven't been through hardship, but, but actually because they have Yeah. and God's made them. There's a making of a man mm -hmm. or a woman of God in the kingdom. So that's what conversations in contrast is all about. So we're going to start with you, Matt. And the way that I wanted and felt led to introduce somebody is uh, because the honest truth is anybody that I'm going to interview ha has a, a huge bio probably that's notable and all kinds of things. What I wanted to do is introduce people based on, uh, and I know you a little bit, full transparency, but based on what maybe the normal person mm -hmm. would see or think of uh, the person if they just sort of knew them from afar, maybe mm -hmm. knew them online or they're in their church, mm -hmm. something like that. So... If it's okay with you, I'm going to introduce you that way. Yeah, I love it. So this is Matt. And if I were to try to figure out who Matt is, this is what I see of your life. I see, man, this guy is a youth pastor at a, a massive church, multi-campus church in the Seattle area, Renton and all over. I see a guy that is full of joy, has a beautiful wife and kids. I see a guy that has <laughs> leads this uh, youth ministry, multi-campus youth ministry, and uh, a youth and young, a regional, probably statewide conference that has, as I understand it, blown up uh, to thousands of students. And I think, I think I even saw yesterday that you guys are trying to fill a room of 5,000 this year, which is super yeah. exciting. Yeah. And I also know Crazy. you as somebody that started an organization or co-started an organization called Lead Local that empowers pastors to be in relationship and, and sort of uh, lead in their, in their local area. And you guys travel around and do that. And you, you're a pastor, you you speak places. And so these are all things that somebody just from afar would see. And man, I want to be like that guy one day, mm. man, what, could I ever, how did he like, man, Matt Harder. And so I don't know how much of that is accurate to the T or not, mm -hmm. but in light of that, in light of this life that is clearly being used by God, clearly influential and, and the world would say, man, significant in the kingdom. I want to ask you the first question on the, this podcast, which is, What's deeper in Matt's life that, that you've been through? What's one of the most painful or difficult things that you've been through that people might not know? Hmm. 
And if there was sort of a, a making of Matt into the success that people see, what's maybe some of the darkness that people didn't see that God has used to form you? And how have you gotten through that? Yeah, that's a great question. I love what you're doing here. It's so innovative and just, uh, I Thank hope you. I can say this, but we're like in your camper right now. And this, you wouldn't even tell. It's yeah. like amazing what you've done with this. And just think it's cool that you're going down, traveling down and yep. meeting different people. So it's just an honor to be here for your first one. Thank this you. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Like, <laughs> I didn't I even know I wasn't know supposed that. to do that. <laughs> no, no, I you were. <laughs> I was supposed this, to. But yeah. We're going Seattle to San Diego. Yeah. Hey, no filters. We're saying no where filters, we're at right, right. We are inside of a 26-foot long trailer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My kids sleep right over there and we sleep right over there. <laughs> and so we set all it. this up in about 30 minutes. Well, today we set up in 30 minutes. We spent about two months building this out but uh yes we're traveling this is called shalom the mobile (laughs) podcast studio that's great yeah no and just uh yeah just so with your question um you know the call of god on my life i was 14 years old and i remember that missionary you know at the altar say hey there's someone here that's called into full-time ministry and at that point, you know, and what still, were you at? You a missionary? Um, were was, you in a church service? No, I was in a church service in Moses Lake. It's where I'm from, uh, Eastern Washington, a small little oh, church. I don't know if I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm originally from Moses Lake. Okay. I moved over here when I was 18. Did we talk about that before? Um, I don't think what we church, have. What church are you from? Um, from Moses Lake. Moses Lake Assembly of God okay. was what okay. it was called. Okay. I grew up Baptist, and then at uh, 13, I needed a youth ministry, and my mom. Uh, she's Pentecostal. My dad's Baptist. So that she sees the opportunity to get me over to the AG church. <laughs> that's right. So that's how uh, I got there and just uh, was a part of youth ministry there. And I just, I'm, I'm an introvert. So I remember when she called me up there and I felt that call of God. Oh, um, this missionary called you out. Yeah. Not just me out. Oh, somebody in the room. No, she said, boom, right there. You're called in the full-time ministry. And I felt that before she had said that. So it was a confirmation. And I remember going up there, you know, shaking. I was actually crying and it was because I'm actually an introvert. So I wasn't because I was happy. It was because I was just so fearful with that. To and be so, up in front of everybody. Yeah, from people. And at that okay. point, I thought ministry was all about just getting up there and preaching. Okay. So yeah. now that a I've been in do, it for actually. a while, and that's what we <laughs> you think. You pastors we, work one hour yeah, a week. <laughs> no, totally. And that's what you think when you see Instagram or right. social media, right. you know, talking about filters is you think, oh, wow, all it is is he travels and he preaches right. and that's all it is. And at 14 years old. That's what I thought it was. And really, it's probably only about 10% maybe of the job right. is the preaching. You know, right. obviously, there's a percentage of studying and that kind of thing. But so with that comes um, really, well, what is the heart of ministry? And the heart of ministry obviously comes from your heart for God. It's where it starts, but really your heart for people. So I think the most difficult thing in ministry has been really managing the emotions that comes from pastoring people. Because, um, you know, Mm. people hurt people. That's what we do. I've hurt people. You've hurt people. We're hurt by people. And I don't think um, Bible college can train you for that. Right. I I think it's really life's experiences. And so early on, you know, being 22 and being at New Life Church now for, uh, I think, about 15, 16 years now, um, there's been that process. Have you been working here that long? Yeah. Yeah. 15 years this year would be me on staff. Yeah. I'm 36. Oh, you're 36. So, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so get that little boy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, coming in. What did you start? What was your role when you started? Uh, junior high ministry. So junior okay. high director. You know, okay. I wasn't licensed, so they couldn't call me pastor. Right, yet. right, right. Um, and so. Uh, but you moved that. here for a job. No, I actually moved here at 18 to intern. Okay. So I was an intern for a couple years. Okay. And then that's when um, they had an opening for junior high director. And so I kind of said, hey, I'd love to see if I can do this. And um, that's how I got in there. And then eventually did high school 
um, as well. Okay. Um, and that whole process. And so, so let me go back just a, for a minute then mm-hmm. when you were just 14, so just a kid, mm-hmm. you felt it was, you felt like God was saying, I'm calling you to ministry. That was already mm-hmm. a seed in you. Yes. Yeah. And then the prophetic word from the missionary mm-hmm. confirmed the seed. Yes. But, yeah. um, but it wasn't, or, or maybe it was at that time. Was there, like you talked about the different things that you see in ministry. And at the time you thought it was just preaching, mm-hmm. um, throwing great events. Yeah. Preaching. Was it, that's what you just thought it was or was it, Oh, that's the thing that I want to do. Or was there a love in your heart at that point for people? Was there a shepherding? Mm-hmm. Do, do, you, do you understand yeah. the question? No, was it just totally. like, Oh, I think God's calling me to this. Yeah. Or is it just like, no, no, no. I, I think God's called me, but that's what I want specifically. And did God develop the shepherding nature, you know, part of your heart later? Or, or has that always been there? Yeah, I thought that's what it was just from looking at my youth pastor. Kind of the centerfold of ministry that we're talking about. You really only, you don't see, I didn't see my youth pastor having conversations with angry parents. Right. I didn't see the conversations he has amongst staff right. in that dynamic. So as a 14-year-old, you know, at 12, I began to get that developed as hearing a missionary actually at the Baptist church. It was another missionary. And that is when I really began to get developed in me thinking, wow, this is so much more than just going to church on a Sunday. Man, people can give their whole entire lives to this. Right. So at that point at 12, I didn't really even think through what would that mean. It was at 14 at a different church, now at a Pentecostal one. God uses every denomination right. as long as they're pointing to Jesus that, um, no, you're, you're supposed to, yeah, it's confirmed. You're supposed to do this your whole entire life. And so for me, it wasn't that I wanted to preach. I was fearful of that. I'm an introvert. Um, still to this day, I get anxious when I'm going and traveling and preaching, but it's part of the call of God on my life as a pastor and preacher. So I think it really did for me start with that burden for realizing that there's a heaven and there's a hell. And at that age, I didn't want my friends going to hell. So that whole shepherding was instilled in me, I think, at a younger age. Um, and so that's where it kind of begins to get developed as you get into it. Right. And going, wow, okay, there's so much more to this dynamic. You're working for a lead pastor who has a vision. So how do you deal and work through that when maybe you want to do something different or you see the ministry going this way? Right. Uh, angry parents, you know, going to Bible college, they'll never teach you, you know, um, uh, conflict management. Right. I think we should have a class on conflict management. I think we should have a class in colleges on uh, business. Yeah, you know those some of those things with working on a budget. So yeah. for me, I there's think it an was amazing, me just yeah. There's an amazing book called What They Didn't Teach You in Seminary. Yeah, it's like 17 chapters of things <laughs> they didn't teach us in Bible college. Yeah, that are absolutely what you actually go through when you're a pastor. But yeah. So okay, I'm a pastor as well, so I recognize the complexity of this this question and, and honor. And, uh, so you may or may not be able to, and, and you may without names be able to take us a little deeper if you're willing. But mm-hmm. so this is starts to be developed in you at 14, the call, it's starting to work out. You do an internship, they bring you on staff. You've been now at this church here, 15, 16 years. And, um, you know, friends, if you don't understand the the power of what that means in a in a culture today where pastors burn out, pastors move on, pastors get beat up, the longevity of that is significant. And so obviously that's a somebody that's not just in it for the stage or for the notoriety, you're you're in it shepherding people. So mm-hmm. your heart's developing in this way. Mm-hmm. Obviously you love God and you love people. Mm-hmm. So 
can you take us deeper into maybe an instance or multiple? Because I know as a pastor, there's multiple, but like a little bit more the way that you have felt pain from the people that you've tried to love. Yeah. Whether it's a parent or a student or it's just somebody in the church, like, is that okay to yeah. ask? I don't, no, you know, for probably sure. you obviously you wouldn't use any names and, but, uh, and you, we always want to protect people and honor people. Mm-hmm. But, but if you can elaborate for you, what's just like taking you to your core and made you cry? Like, man, that cut me deep yeah. in the ministry. Well, there, for instance, I mean, I could go student, parent, um, pastors, but just for one story, there was a student that, I mean, I would see him at least, I mean, every other day okay. for about two years straight. And you're pouring into them, mm-hmm. you're, um, you know, you're pastoring them, you know, their deepest and darkest struggles. And so for this uh, kid, he had um, a struggle around um, sexuality. And, um, so working with him and we actually even got him some great help, resourced him. And then, um, after a couple of years he graduated. And at that point, you know, really felt like giving me and the church a middle finger. If I'm, if I'm just being real honest, just by kind of, Hey, I'm going out of this next better church. Um, okay. so I can begin to get trained and that kind of thing. And, um, went to jump around and started bouncing around a little bit. And so there's expectations that I think he had and that people have over what it is to you pastor me. Mm-hmm. And either A, if the expectations aren't met or they are met and now they're done with you, that feels a lot like you're being used. Right. And so with him, um, not only was he going to different you know churches, that kind of, which is fine and how you deal with that as a younger pastor, but it ended up coming out, this is crazy and I don't know how much I maybe should share, but he ended up getting into the business of sex slavery, not himself, but actually pimping out girls. Wow. And so for two years straight, dealing with that sexual identity issues that he had, now he's in jail. Um, And I went to his court date and um, saw the whole sentencing and all that. So again, I don't know how, I mean, this is just real. Yeah, that's going to be all public. And raw. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, And so to get texts, about I got over 40 texts because I started just counting like, wow, these are a lot of texts after I'd read what was happening of this sending me the what um, in the news. And here's this young man who for a couple years, almost every day, at least every day on the on a call or a text with him. Wow. Um, so and, you were intentionally discipling. Oh, this guy. yeah. And so what does that make you feel like as a pastor when, oh, wow, is something wrong with me? Like this kid was the closest to me that anyone else had been. For two years straight. So, so I t- think. So, t- so can you take us into that? Mm-hmm. If you're willing. Yeah. Your heart and your mind in that moment, in those few weeks, let's say. What were you saying to yourself? Were you dealing with it healthy? Or did you in that time looking back say, man, I was I was a wreck or I wasn't thinking right. Or like, did you ask yourself, am I a good pastor or what's wrong oh, with me? Yeah, no, I, I think every emotional emotion you can think of or thought would pass your mind like am I a good pastor could I have done more is something wrong with me that I'm not that I couldn't disciple someone for two years and then they're dealing with this extreme I mean that's extreme right so (laughs) you're really starting to kind of second guess your calling um and and, um so no I think those emotions were there and they were heavy and processing I think the hardest thing about it where it brought me down to the pits is now giving that to now the next student, giving my time, my intentionality, right. the discipleship. Because now when you see somebody that has some of the same characteristics 
it's very easy as a pastor now to put them in that box. Right. And I think the indie gets cynical, critical, uh, judgmental. So I think the darkness wasn't maybe so much my emotions. It's what were those emotions were leading me to right. of being now a surface pastor. Hey, you'll get it next time, but not actually doing the work it takes to still make the phone calls, to still text, to give another different kid, different story, another chance. Okay, I want to so, I want to talk about because what you're hitting on is huge. I want to I want to talk about that. I want to come back to that though, if I can. When you said just because I'm curious, when you said the guy kind of gave you guys the middle finger and moved on, um, just curious, was that just in the sense of how it felt the middle finger because he was just moving on to the next thing that suited him, or was there actual attacks on you? Like, because sometimes people can move on. Cause it's like, oh man, this church is great. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, they're being drawn to something, but sometimes on the way out the door or they're leaving something cause they're mad or whatever. But sometimes on the way out the door, they actually turn around and offer a figurative middle finger, like an attack, mm-hmm. not just, oh yeah, I'm feeling led over here. And then they politely exit stage left. Was there physic like not physically, but yeah, physically or with his speech, was there anything like an attack on you and this is why I'm going because you didn't da 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny because it wasn't probably the exact words. It was, um, the, how do I say this? It wasn't maybe the words that he said that was the attack. It was that, Hey, you're not giving me enough opportunity here. I see. And so I'm going to go somewhere else because they're going to let me preach. Oh, and I so see. I think that knowing then the person's story, that feels like a middle finger because man, two years, you should trust me to know that you're not ready yet to do that. Mm. And so then there's all different emotions with that. When someone leaves and you go, man, we've had so many conversations. I think you feel like, man, why couldn't you trust me in that? It wasn't so much. I mean, yeah, like you're saying, people go to churches all the time and people come to our church from other churches all the time. So that's not where the sting comes in. I think just knowing, man, all this time I've poured into you, man, did you hear anything that I said? All the help we got you. And to just kind of write it off and to go do your own thing because we're not that expectation. We're not meeting your expectations. Therefore, we're not going to come under your authority. And that word authority is not a popular word. Right. We don't see authority on social media. No, we don't. Right. And so that's another thing I think with this generation that's very, can be difficult is you want it now. You want it quick. Well, that pastor's doing that. And you have no idea the personal struggles, the personal life, the persistence, the perseverance that it takes to be a pastor. Um, and so I think that's probably why it stung so much. It's yeah. not going yeah. to a different church. I mean, the churches that he went to were great friends of mine. So I think where it stings is that, man, you, when you're wanting to be, when you're done being discipled and see you later. Right. And you, and there's times where people need to go to the next thing because maybe there's an intern program that's better than where we were at that point for those different things. Right. But knowing his story, it was so personal because that's where the pain comes in. It doesn't come because someone leaves your church. Right. But if you really know them and you've poured time into them, and, right. and it's okay to go to that college or go to a new state, but without that blessing, it can be exactly. really difficult right. as a pastor. Then, man, could I at least give you my blessing for that? Right. And if I don't, can we still work through a couple more things? Yeah, that's it. Because you two years of relationship and mm-hmm. pouring into somebody, but he didn't trust the process of the outcome. Yeah. And then he moves on 
and you're like, man, I would have at least just liked to be a part of that mm-hmm. because I, I've only yeah. done this last two years cause I love you. Yeah. And so involving me in the process of the decision yeah. and okay. So now let's loop back to what you started to talk about because this is huge. Whether I think whether you're a pastor or not, people start optimistic about things in life and the way things are going to go. And then in the context of relationship and love, there's always the greatest opportunity for pain and hurt because mm-hmm. that's what love is. Um, and then when we experience it, either for the first time or a few times over, maybe it's just in a breakup in a relationship. Maybe it's, you know, with a boss or for us in ministry, you're pointing to somebody, you've opened your heart to them to serve them. And now they hurt you. And now, now is like this moment where most people probably don't actually think it through. I'm going to become cold and cynical (laughs) now, but like there's a subconscious moment where your soul is deciding I don't know if I'm going to open my heart to that anymore. And so you, I think you use the term like you could just become surface level pastor. And so was there a time that you found yourself doing that or, or did you just feel the temptation to do that? And you, and, and what was the process of like deciding I'm not going to let myself just live in cynicism or surface. Like I'm going to intentionally put myself back in a position where I could be hurt again because pain and love have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you don't put yourself in a position where you could be hurt, you're not probably not really putting yourself in a position where you really love fully. Yeah. So what did that look like for you? And are you, mm-hmm. maybe you're still working through it, but was yeah. there an intentional moment where you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to hold back my love and my leadership to protect myself from pain or mm-hmm. how did that go? Yeah, well, I married up. So my wife is really <laughs> good about letting me... Uh, uh, pout for 24 hours. Okay. <laughs> and then like, Hey, you know what? If you need to pout, you need to cry. You need to be mad. You need to be cynical. Do it for 24 hours. And then is this that, a real conversation? This is real conversation. This is how she, this is what this she is, says. To this you. is what she says. So maybe it's not a wife or the person watching this. Maybe it's a best friend, someone they trust, a mentor, but to have someone be able to get in your face in some of life's most difficult moments that's the first step, and in, in, in at least with my experience, that helps me get through that is, you know what, this is real. It's real pain, but you got 24 hours to process <laughs> this, and then let's continue to process it, obviously, yeah. but you got to get back up. So I think having that voice um, in your, in your uh, not just in your mind for your self-talk, but actually have someone that you trust that loves you, that's right. walking with you, that's been through some stuff with you, that's been through their own stuff, and be able to say, hey, Okay, it's now time. You've you've said what you need to say. You're frustrated. You're mad, but um, now you got a call. I mean, you got that call that's bigger than people. Really, is God's call first, and His call, um, trusting Him that He has it all together, is the beginning. Before you love people, you got to love God with all your heart, soul, right. strength, and mind, and let Him love you through that stuff as well. So I think that's another thing. Is God called me long before any of these hurts or pains happened. Mm-hmm. Um, to full-time ministry. So to know that, you really, do you trust the story? Do you trust God's story in people's lives and in your lives? You know, Paul the Apostle says, um, I plant the seed, Apollos waters it, but God makes it grow. Right. So I think being able to process some of this, because that's not the first painful story. There's many of that that happens. Not, right. not, not that extreme. I just shared with you the most extreme uh, thing that's happened. But to be able to, do you really trust God's call in your life? Do you trust that he called you out and not one person can can stop that? 
And so, and then not take it so personal because God cares more about that person than I do. Right. Um, And so not to do like this over spiritualize it, but you really have to, do you really trust God in all this whole process that he'll walk people through it? If they're now saying, I don't need you anymore. Well, I'm not God. He is. So having someone in your life that can be straight up with you, um, really trusting God's story in your own life and that person's life. And then just being real with my own humanity and knowing that I haven't always done it right with people. Right. And just knowing people are in that process. And then sometimes it's not personal. It's because they just need a fresh start. They need a fresh season. Um, You know, maybe a student broke up with a a boyfriend or girlfriend and now they need to be out of our youth ministry, even though we pour so much time and energy into them. Or maybe I'm not God. Maybe we've given them everything that we can give them. Right. So that's fine too. That's not a, a bash or a, um, a hatred towards us. It's, you know, I'm, I'm only have so many gifts and maybe I've helped somebody along a season. Well, that's great. At the end of the day, as pastors, we have to realize there's also seasons and people come and go and it's not always, right. you right. know, hatred or they're mad at you or you did something. Of course. Um, so I think just being real with that reality and then even in the, this own story, just knowing that God cares about this young man more than I do. Right. And, and so he'll deal with the process of whatever that looks like for him. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe as we conclude this portion of the, the show, what is maybe if you could think of a couple, one, two, three practical things that somebody can do to intentionally position themselves where they can come out of something like this healthy. Cause like we said, you know, this is not just something that a pastor faces when somebody leaves the church. This, these feelings and the potential outcome of becoming hardened, cynical, and mm-hmm. all that happen all the time, especially in, in dating and marriage relationships and mm-hmm. with friendships, you know, man, I, I, that was my best friend and they stabbed me in the back and mm-hmm. now I'm not, nobody's getting close to me. I yeah. mean, I just heard a podcast the other day where these pretty big, well-known guys are like, nope. I don't let anybody in. I have four friends and that's it. Nobody mm. gets in. Mm. Nobody gets in. And I'm like, mm. what a way to live. Yeah, it doesn't seem missional, you know. Well, these I don't think <laughs> these guys were Christians. But <laughs> okay, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is, but that's the way that the world's thinking is like, I'm yeah. not going to put myself in a position where somebody can steal mm. from me, hurt me. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of the way that Jesus has called us to live as a sacrificial servant of humanity. But uh, so... I think I heard at least one practical thing. You said you have somebody in, in this case, your wife that was a part of the process of, mm-hmm. okay, be, be whatever for 24 hours. And then after the sun goes down, uh, you know, now you, you know, the call, get back up and go. So was there any, is there anything else that you could share with somebody that just, man, this is the, this is a particular brand of pain that they're feeling or have been through mm-hmm. and they're looking to come out the other end healthy is there any practical things that you can do to position position yourself for the healer to heal? Yeah, that's good. Well, not only getting an inside voice, so someone who's super close with you, but also an outside voice that's not so in it. And so for me, that's a counselor. I think it's really okay. important to get a counselor. Um, I see a counselor, my counselor once a month. Okay. And I see him so I don't just go to him when there's a problem. You know, it's kind of like that check uh, engine light before the car runs out or before you need to fill it with gas, you're filling it with gas consistently before it happens. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, I'm in a point in a rhythm where I'll do it at once a month. Okay. And that is a a way so that I don't have to go when there's a huge problem, but there's a consistency 
And it's amazing when you come out of someone who's not even in any of it. Right. They're able to just step back and give you that godly perspective. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is not as big of a deal. You know, it's a big deal right now. And you got to be real with those emotions. But as time goes on, that perseverance that we have been put inside of us, you're going to look back at it and it won't sting as much. It may Mm -hmm. always sting. I mean, some people deal with some really heavy, heavy trauma. Right. So it's not to downplay that, but... I think as time goes on, you're able to look back at it. And if you do handle it well, which is having other people's perspectives and you're processing those real emotions and communicating what you're feeling, you're able to look back and actually grow from that and learn from it. So now from some of these really hard moments, when those moments come, okay, it's a teachable moment for me. Okay, what am I going to learn in this moment? Mm -hmm. Versus letting this make me cynical, critical, joyless. I'm going to find joy in this because I know coming out of this, I'm going to be a better person from this. Right. You know, I, I can't dictate how people uh, react in life and towards me, but I can dictate how I respond to that. And I think allowing that process to happen and how am I going to respond to this and how will you let people close to you again? You realize that people are going to hurt you. So you're not putting a wall up, but you got that thick skin and a soft heart. So I think it, that's a huge deal as to whatever that means for people. How do you have thick skin but you still carry that soft heart, you got to find outlets for yourself to go on a walk. You know, I have my mornings where, I mean, it's pretty much every morning when I miss a morning, I can feel it Mm -hmm. for that day. But to be able to get up, his mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. So that means, okay, you got something new for me today. So what happened yesterday that now I can prepare today to learn from and to set my course right for today? Because all you can worry about is today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. So even in the pain, the dysfunction with working with people, you got to have those moments that are fill up moments for you because yeah. people will take and they'll take and they'll take and we take and take and yeah. take. Right. And so at the end of the day, to have an inside voice, an outside voice, and the moments where you can get away and fill up with whatever that looks like. Wow, that's such a perfect transition to our last portion of this show that you didn't even know. I don't. I would imagine you don't know that we're... That we're doing but i love how that tied in and you'll see how in a second so conversations in contrast is what's one of the hardest things that you've been through in your life and how did you get through it how did god get you through it and the second is let's talk about something awesome healthy selfless that you do now i don't know if you knew this or not but the way that i've been trying to do this is i want to talk to some people behind your back that mm. know you and i say hey if there's something that you know about Matt that he does or the way that he is um, that he probably wouldn't talk about from stage or on social media because it would definitely sound like bragging, but you know he does it, will you tell me that? And so I got some insight from a friend and your wife, and one particular mm. thing stood out to me. And and I'm going to frame it like this because it was so interesting. She told me a few things about you, and it's your it's your spouse. You know, hey, what do you just love about him? And she talked a little bit about who you are, your ministry, what you've done. And you guys have taken a youth conference from like 100 to 3,000. Looks like maybe this year you're aiming for even more. And just awesome things that people look at and they're like, man, I want to be like that. I wish I could ever do that. But she said one thing that stood out to me the most. She said, you wake up every single morning and you drive in your car from 5 to 6 a.m. And you pray and meet with God. Mm -hmm. And I said, every morning? She said, yeah. And I said, man, growing the conference to 3,000 is amazing. 
And I'd love to talk about that. But the reality is that probably happens because of this mm-hmm. as, as long as well as yeah. probably most other health in your life. And so that's why Ty, you were just saying, man, inside voice, outside voice and fill up time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you ever talk about that from stage or people know that about you, but I know that about you now and it's out of the closet. So if, if I can say it like this, we know now, can you for 10 minutes or however many minutes not be humble? That's freaking awesome. Will you just tell us about that? Why yeah. did that start? How did that start? And what's it, what's it accomplished in your life? Yeah. Well, it's hard to be humble about it because I need it because I am a weak human being. Right. And I'm a human. So that's why I need it so much. And I would actually, when I was 23, I was losing tons of sleep. I was uh, not taking care of myself. Okay. I was building a ministry and I was the least joyless person around. I was angry. I was getting cynical. I was getting critical because those relationships that I didn't realize, I thought once you, in the church, the church isn't going to hurt you. They're, we're all Christians. Right. Like there's forgiveness, there's love, there's all this. And so 23, only being in it for what, a year and a half maybe at that point and getting just, you know, feeling like beat down, beat down. Uh, I was in a place, just an unhealthy, unhealthy place. And I remember just praying out to God that night. I mean, it was in the like one in the morning. Lord, I need you to start getting me up early in the morning. Like I was sleeping in until, you know, at that point, I guess sleeping eight thirty nine, which isn't for some people that's, but for me as a pastor that was go, go, go. I was a full-time student, full-time minister, uh, had two other jobs and I was burning out and I go, I'm not going to make yeah. it. At that point, I go, there's no way. And at that point I was ready to pack my bags up, go back to Moses Lake and uh, go do what my dad did and just go work. And, you know, that's it. And I just remember praying, God, if I'm called to this, then I know my first thing is I'm called to you. And I right. don't have the disciplines that I need in order to keep sustaining this, the disciplines to be with you, to for to draw near to you. So you'll draw near to me. Mm-hmm. And that next morning, I mean, it was up till one I woke up at four four thirty. I think it was around yeah. It was four thirty. Didn't set an alarm because before I had to, would have to set an alarm. Really? So I've only got probably about three hours of sleep. Um, and you had just but prayed, I woke like, up. Lord, I need that, you to wake that me morning, up. Morning, I need you to wake me up. Starting, I need that. And I didn't even set an alarm, or I had set one for later that day. But I yeah. had woken up and I was refreshed. And I from that day four twenty three to now thirty six, I probably have missed maybe ten days, fifteen days, maybe max. So when I say like, Max. yeah, now in, in my marriage, I've probably missed it maybe like four times or five more just with kids and all that that happens. And that's where you can feel it. I can right. feel it when I don't have that moment. So that's the stuff you don't. So what time on. do you wake up in the morning? I wake up at 5 a.m. Usually it's, it's between 4.30 and 5.15, 5.30 because I don't set an alarm. So it's my body clock now. I think it's so. You don't just set an used alarm. To it. I never, I don't, I've never, I have not set an alarm since that moment. So when I have to fly out early in the morning to go speak for stuff, I'm, I'm up because usually I'll fly out maybe 7 a.m. or 8. And I just, I'm way up before that. I'm up before my kids get up. I can't imagine being a dad in in full-time ministry like this and what we're doing if I didn't have that two or three hours before. And that's what people don't understand is you want the stage or you want the preaching or you want the, to build uh, ministries but if you're not allowing God to build your life in those early mornings, or maybe for some people they're night people, so they just need that moment. Yeah. 
then I then I you won't do it. You won't make it. No, you won't. You won't. And no one ever just tells people that, but you will not make it if you don't have those moments with God and you don't take those moments yeah. to a serious depth. And because those are the moments he tells me, text that person and tell them you're sorry. There's friends that will get an early morning text right. from me and I'll, uh, hey, I'm praying Matt, for that's you. That's Matt and his time. Yeah, that's my time. So do you actually so, drive around? Yeah, so I'll drive. Um, now that gas prices are uh, <laughs> through the roof, I now I'm like walking sometimes. Sometimes I'll drive, but I could be walking for an hour and then start coming back. Or um, So I re- is it usually prayer and just listening to God, talking to God, and then Bible reading? Mm-hmm. Do you listen to the yeah, Bible it, while you're it's, driving? It's, like, what's it all look like? Yeah, it's interesting because, like, when you're, you're dating your wife, um, if it was so rigid, then you wouldn't enjoy the relationship. Right. So I do, it, for me anyways, I find it difficult when people are like, hey, you do this, read your Bible, pray, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, those components happen, but I'm not so consumed and concerned if they even get done. There's days I don't read my Bible. Right. Because I'm spending but more time spend in an prayer. hour praying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, or there's days I'm just reading the Bible, or there's days I'm reading this really book, this great book that is filling me up, that is helping my walk with Jesus. And I just, oh, wow, I got into that and it's already been an hour and a half or an hour. I got to you know, now start preparing for the day. Right. Um, and so, yes, there's Bible component, there's prayer, but at the end of the day, I'm with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's his time. It's one of the reasons why we cover our tables in scripture to remind Mm -hmm. us, especially on dining tables, that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. In other words, like if we're feed, if we're feeding our life with all kinds of other stuff that to sustain us, but we're not eating, from God and his word and his heart and prayer and worship, we're not going to make it. No, we have nothing to give. This is the process that I see a lot of times from people that they get into ministry, feel the call of God. It's like they meet God in a real way and they're surprised Mm -hmm. by love and they're surprised by this relationship. And it has nothing to do with like, I'm going to do this and this and this. Like when you first meet God, you meet God and you realize this is about relationship, not religion. Mm -hmm. And your life has changed. Yep. I get to know you, God, and then you start getting to know him. And then because you you know this God and you love him and it's just relationship, you're like, man, I want to share this relationship with other people. And that's where ministry starts. You start doing things in the world that helps other people know this relationship that you know and love. Mm. So then you go further down the line in ministry, helping people know the relationship that you know and love, but then you just start doing more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you're not really careful, you start doing so much ministry for God that you leave your relationship with God a little bit in the past. Yep. And, uh, and you get good at it too. So I I can write a message quicker now and is more faster than I ever have. You can get really good at what you do. And that's where, when you meet certain maybe pastors and you're like, man, they just seem so service because when you're with the Lord, he's giving you a fresh word every single morning. Right. So when I'm preaching, I could I could write something and it sound great. But why is it impactful? Because some of that stuff without me trying came from a quiet time. I'm not in my quiet time to write a message. Right. I'm in a quiet time for the Lord to speak to me. And yeah, it probably will come out in certain messages right. and that kind of thing. Right. Because the better we get better at it. We, we know what today is what and when I do what. And I can be really great at that. And you know, you can get leadership and learn and grow in your leadership so you can learn how to build conferences and what that takes. Right. If you have that persistence, anybody can do what they set their minds to. But few 
can make it the long term because they're not setting their hearts to it. Right. So that you can set your mind to it, but how do you set your heart to it? You allow God to set your heart. Right. So not well, to cut you off. No, but no. That's, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. The long term and the anointing, the, the actual oil on a thing, because yeah, gifts and callings, those are irrevocable, but things like character, relationship, time with the Lord, anointing is, you know, people can fake it and mm-hmm. you can be an eloquent speaker and say something, but it, it doesn't have oil on it, Mm-mm. you know? And so, man, that is, that is convicting and beautiful. Uh, what a healthy thing that you do. And again, I would argue that, that the, the things that people see, the big conference, successful youth ministry, lead local, your relationship with your wife and kids, like all of it, that, that some, you know, surface level person in your life be like, wow, look at him. Mm-hmm. What they don't see is probably the key to all of it, which yeah. is your time with the Lord yeah. daily. They don't see the struggle in the mornings at times when I, I'm upset about something or I'm weeping just by myself, just crying. Right. Because life can get hard. Right. But then the Lord and the Holy Spirit picks you back up and goes, I've given you another day. Go out there. Do it. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Yeah, dude, this has been great. That's Thank it. Thank you for having me. Contrast. So yeah. uh, do you have any last things that you want to share? Maybe just to encourage anybody that resonates with anything that you've talked about today. And if not, at least would you maybe just close us in a prayer? And I just say enjoy the process because all the young leaders out there, you've got your dreams, uh, visions that God's given you. But it is a process and it always will be. Right. So if you don't enjoy that, you're going to get too far ahead of yourself. So enjoy all those little lessons that are difficult ones. Right. So, but yeah, let me pray. Yeah, let's do it. Lord, I just thank you so much for Pastor Craig and Jessica and just their heart for you and their family for God packing a a trailer up and doing something bold, which is just to give them, give you their whole entire lives and to come down and to interview different people and pastors. And I just pray blessing over them, over this podcast, Um, Lord, over the people that they meet. Lord, I just pray um, for increase, Lord, increase in every area of their lives as they give this to you. And I do pray for those who are watching right now. And Lord, I just pray that this conversation um, would not be disheartening, but Lord, it would be encouraging. Lord, even in the conversation of getting up every morning for some people, you know, it would be hard to get up every morning and they may not be able to. Mm -hmm. But Lord, I pray um, that it would be encouraging for them to start somewhere with you, to take a step, Lord, to make it about you. Because when we make it all about you, everything begins to click in place. And even in the chaos and even in the uh, waves of life, Lord, we know that, um, you're, Lord, you're the God of the waves. You're the God of the chaos. And, Lord, I pray that we trust you, that you are making a straight path for us um, in all these different moments that are difficult to get through, that we would persevere and we'd keep our eyes on you. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor yeah. Matt Harder. Thank you. Appreciate your time. And thank you for joining us, everybody, on Conversations in Contrast. And we'll see you next time.